0: Hey everyone, Michael Fair with the Smart Home Show. This is the weekly wrap-up for the week ending September 5th, 2014. Today's guest is Aaron Cohen, who some of you may remember from being on the couch for Smart Home Therapy. While well, I pulled him off the couch and he's my co-host discussing the weekly news. And there's some great topics. And while we discuss the news in this this conversation, and if you want to listen to it, you can kind of get caught up. I've also, I'm also starting to write up the news, kind of writing my analysis of the week that just happened around all these different stories and a few more. And if you want to get that, feel free to go to the show notes. Uh, You'll see the news at technology.fm. Look at the Smart Home Show. And also, you can subscribe to the newsletter to make sure you get it every week and notified of this in your inbox. So it's a great way to keep up on the Smart Home in written format as well. So go to technology.fm. You'll see the Smart Home Show. You can see the the wrap-up for this week, uh, my write-up and uh, analysis around it. And you can also subscribe to the newsletter to make sure you're notified uh, when it comes out every week. Hey everyone! Thanks for listening, and let's get to the news. Hey Aaron, how you doing, man?
1: Great to hear your voice, Michael. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. And uh, for those of you who have been listening to the smart home show for a while, you may recognize Aaron, who is a guy who sat on the couch. We we gave you some uh, smart home therapy a couple, maybe a month or two ago, and uh, I brought in some
1: reinforcements uh, with, and, with, and it's had a big impact on me. We are a we are a uh, entirely Sonos. Uh, household at this point uh, and uh i'm I'm very grateful for the advice that i got and I continue to have challenges with network infrastructure that seems to remain a a a a still deep need for uh, information technology support yeah, um, but yeah. I know it's going, I, as much as I would love to do smart home therapy i know <laughs> i know I know that's not our our purpose.
0: No, I brought you in to kind of talk about the week's news. And for those of you who are not familiar with Aaron's background, you are a pretty savvy entrepreneur who has a, I think, a passion more and more for home technology. So I thought you'd be a great guy to talk over the week's news um, and give me kind of some perspective uh, from a guy who who's run businesses. And and the first story I think is right up your alley, Aaron. It's 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 an interesting story. It's about Savant, uh, a high high end home automation company that has basically gotten investment by KKR, which is a legendary private equity company. And so I want to talk that over with you. Uh, this is the same private equity company that invested in Sonos a couple years ago, the same Sonos we're talking about. And uh, so I think it's interesting. The Wall Street Journal broke it. Uh, Julie Jacobson had some good analysis over at CE Pro. But is this a sign that the, uh, the the money men are getting
1: into the smart home? Well, I mean, this is such an atypical deal, Uh, For KKR and I, I um, I mean, KKR, by the way, is part of the the famous RJR Nabisco. The company has been around forever. I mean, they they are. There's been
0: a a movie made and a book written about them, essentially. With with barbarians
1: at the gate. Absolutely, barbarians at the gate. They factor prominently, and your Henry Kravis at least does. Um, And in any event, it's such a small investment. Um that it, it is somewhat surprising but i think when you when you look underneath the hood here there are some clear reasons for it first of all this is a closely held tech business operating out of Hyannis, massachusetts not exactly a known hotbed of technology startups but a seriously known hotbed of enormously affluent people.
0: Yeah. It's interesting Uh, to me. I think kind of what is interesting is it is similar to Sonos in that it's a premium brand, but even more premium and kind of alluding to what you're talking about, high-income people. That's really the Savant target audience, at least to this point. Earlier this year, um, and we can put this link in the show notes, they started to go down market. And I think what's happened is Savant saw the heat around smart home particularly the valuations we're seeing in the DIY space and wanted to get in on that. So they created a cheaper solution. So going from $20,000, you can get into Savant for a thousand or two. And I think that was probably what made them more attractive to
1: KKR. So, so, but walk me through that. My, so here's what I'm envisioning by the way, which is that KKR people have Savant technology in their homes. Like I'm really like, I would bet I would, I'd be willing to bet whoever's invested was a customer and um, and so walk me through how they've gone down. I mean, because now it sounds like they're in the Control 4 kind of price yeah, point. Yeah. So, right I mean, now. Control 4 so really what – So are, what, what are they doing that's different from Control 4?
0: Well, I think basically what they've done is created a product that allows them to sell into an entry-level – kind of an entry-level type of audience and not into the uber-rich, like the Hannes, Hannesburg – Uh, Type of uh, rich, and I don't know if KKR like. I bet someone at KKR probably uh, uses it, but I think there has to be the 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 economic fundamentals. And I think you know someone someone is speculating that they did probably eighty million in revenue last year. Um, I think the valuations at two hundred fifteen million, so it probably puts it at like if if those numbers are even in the ballpark two to three x. But if if you look at Sonos is like a template. If they if they kind of look at the Sonos investment, Sonos doubled revenue basically last year. I think they got to five hundred thirty five million, huge investment. And so if you look at the what the Sonos would IPO at, it, it'd probably be like at least like two to three billion, I would think. Um, and so I just think that they're seeing like huge valuations for connected home uh, companies, and this is like an early one right. with Savant going down market. They're now widening their total available market because people can get in for like. $1,500, 2000 versus right. before $20,000. And that's a much bigger addressable market.
1: Right. Well, the Sonos trajectory is a really interesting one. I mean, I, you know, when I started looking under the hood of that company, which is just growing like gangbusters now and, you know, I, 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 I can – I'm part of the intense revenue growth to the tune <laughs> of thousands and thousands of dollars. Um, what I was surprised by is how old the company is. It's a 12-year-old company. Um, it just goes to show you how hard, no wonder Sonos's technology is so good. They've worked so hard at it for so long by tech company standards. And, uh, it's really a very impressive story. And I, I wonder how much of that growth must be attributed to their ability to begin to occupy, uh, a prominent, um, space in, in retail America. Right, whether that's a you know, Amazon or Best Buy. Uh I they must have really scaled up their distribution.
0: Well, I mean, get- they're they're pretty much everywhere. You go to Target, you'll see them on NCAPs. Um I mean, I remember talking to John McFarlane. He, he was in here in Seattle. We had a we had a meeting in two thousand eight. And I thought, Okay, the economy's going into shambles. Um, literally everything's cratering. You're like a super high end I mean, they're not super high end, there's certainly not like you know tens of thousands of dollars, but you know at the time, you probably needed at least a thousand to two thousand dollar investment to get into Sonos to really do your house right. And I thought, okay, what are you going to do? And he wasn't worried in the least. And I thought, okay, either he has a lot of money uh, to back this, and I think he, he has a lot of money, and that's part of the, the success of, of Sonos is they never really kind of had to go and get bought out. You know, they they took the money from KKR, but they were never. In, in financial straits, and they sold through. They they've been savvy enough to sell through economic downturns. You saw, you know, I, I've I've written about this before, but they they saw the writing on the wall with their. They had like a a handheld controller, so you had a early on when you had a Sony, you had to have a proprietary piece of hardware, hold held right. in your hand, and they saw that the iPad and the iPhone coming. They said, you know what. Let's disrupt ourselves. Get rid of this thing, and we'll we'll do an app. And it was—they were really the first company to do that. I thought in a big way in the CE space. They're doing the same thing this week. Uh, I don't know. This is another piece of news I want to talk about. and We can kind of transition here uh, if you're ready. Sonos is getting rid of its own bridge. So basically, before yeah, you, you but needed you a the and Yeah, things. you went out and invested one.
1: But I'm like the last bridge buyer.
0: <laughs> they were kind of like, uh, we have one more sucker left, and it's Aaron. Exactly, but uh yeah so i they're, they keep disrupting themselves and they're they're smart they're well funded and and privately funded and that's kind of their magic but it, it's also been amazing yeah. to watch how slow sony and all these other guys have moved to wireless music too that's kind well,
1: of well I, I think it's i i mean i i am sure sonos's technology is 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 non-trivial in terms of you know how they've gotten the wire. You know it, it to work so well over wireless. Now I will say, just so we're clear, unless you have great network infrastructure, Sonos is. You know there can be real challenges with with volume control and stuff like that. But man, in, you know the the amount of money you spend on speakers, you instantly save on speaker wire integration. I mean, it is so disruptive to kind of custom integrations, and they're coming way down the price curve, right? I mean, so they have a two hundred dollars. You know, I think the Play One is like two hundred bucks or something, and so and that seems to be the trajectory of these companies, and that seems to be you know related to Savant. I I liken both of these companies to Tesla, right? I mean, people were so skeptical of Tesla at the outset because they were you know the car was so expensive. Um. At, at the beginning, and I know it's come down modestly uh, since then, but you know they're getting ready to kind of have a much earlier—you know—I think under forty thousand dollar entry point next year. Um, and I just think it, 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 these all of these companies that we're talking about are the reverse of what Clayton Christensen says is the way to penetrate in in, a, in an innovators' dilemma. Which is to create new markets at the low end and work your way up, you know. With- but aren't,
0: I think what they're doing is following kind of. They're kind of following Apple, right? Has Apple kind of written the rules? I mean, if you look at the iPhone, it came out of five hundred bucks, and they said we're not going to drop the price immediately. They did like maybe six months later, but Apple kind of said, you know, we go high
1: end and people will come to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know exactly. I mean, it it, it calls into question. um, it calls into question what the right what the right what the right approach is uh, and you know i i think that we've seen these examples of you know you just brought up savant here's a company that's gone from 20 grand to you know 90% um off of their original entry price point um uh, in, in order to scale, but I don't know how long they've been in business. And I think with Sonos, it was the same way. I think Sonos was really expensive at the outset.
0: Well, I think people are so worried about um, cannibalizing their own cells by going down market. And I don't think you have to be, I think it's been shown. And I think Savon will prove this out that you can have different channels to market with different products and they don't necessarily cannibalize each other. There might be someone who de- who kind of jumps, but there's always going to be ultra rich people in Hiena's who want the guy to come in and put this whole home system that they can show to their friends. And, say, and they want to mention the fact that they spent $20,000 on the system. And that's not going to change. And, and by the way, then you can have someone like myself who doesn't have like a, a 20 room mansion that might get into Savant for 1500 bucks. And we're different people. I, I think these markets can coexist within the same company.
1: Right. I think that's right. And I, by the way, I, it seems to me that we've seen this kind of luxury brand trajectory in non-technology businesses, I mean, it, it, it seems to me that, you know, the, you know, Ralph Lauren purple label, you know, also has Ralph Lauren polo or, you know, Prada has different lines, um, that are less expensive just to think about fashion. I mean, so I think they're the, it's, it, it feels like tech is starting to operate more like a cultural product than a, um, a, a, a purely a, a disruption that creates a new, a new market space. Maybe this is the transition Michael from thinking about the tech business in isolation to just accepting that tech is just part of everything that gets, it's, it's just part of everything. That's a great, that's now. a
0: great point. I mean, and I think wearables are probably maybe the best example of that. I mean, I think there's a quote by Johnny I this week What that literally said, and I, I thought this a little bit uh, kind of being a little bit kind of cocky Said, uh, Switzerland needs a worry, basically referring to like a watch, them getting into watches. At the same time, you saw Apple, I think it was Intel, came out this week with a $1,000 wearable, like a $1,000 wearable from Intel. First of all, I thought, okay. Wow, uh, what is that? It was a watch with like, it was kind of some crazy looking jewelry on it. And it just said to me that, okay, these tech companies are getting into high end fashion. These tech companies realize that they don't have to think of themselves as just making. Uh, you know, circuitry and components and like, and widgets, they are actually getting into like real fashion. So I think that's an interesting mega trend. You kind of, I think you bro- you touch on that. I think you're, we're definitely seeing that.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I think the internet of things will ultimately be renamed the internet of everything. And, and that, and that's really about how tech becomes ubiquitous and you stop making these distinctions Between the tech sector and other sectors, right? I I I just don't. I mean, Evernote is a so-called tech company, but aren't they really disrupting Mead paper or just workflow? They're disrupting our work, my daily workflow, right? I don't. They're augmenting it or something. So, you know, I I I I think it's hard to appreciate, and we, we, you know, you and I have spent time talking about this in the past on other podcasts it is hard to appreciate what happens when we go from 30 million to 3 billion people connected to a network in 20 years, right? I I think we're still struggling to cope with how ubiquitous network connectivity will be for a much larger swath of the population, which just enables all these kind of different services. And Leads to a natural progression of home in in the smart home space, right? I I mean, everyone's going to have this stuff um, eventually. Although I will say, I mean, as someone who, you know, I I do think it's really worth looking at use cases because it is amazing to me that most new construction in this country does not implement smart thermostats. You know, I think that'll
0: that'll change, obviously, in like. Right. But but it hasn't
1: changed yet, despite the fact that, I mean, you know, I I would say Nest is not a nationally recognized brand. Well, that's why I
0: like I kind of laugh at people who say, um, uh, you know, um, Honeywell is in big trouble. Everyone's going to go Nest. I'm like, okay, Honeywell has a hundred years of building channels into the construction market, right? So I think it's you know, and they have some pretty good smart thermostats coming out. So I, I think it's channels matter. I think, and so I think you know, Nest is doing well at retail. Are they doing well in new construction? Probably not, and so I think that
1: there's opportunities for everyone in the space. Right. I mean, I I think that's important. I think the bottom line is no one is insisting that their new condo or their new house have Nest as a condition to buy it. Right, and until that happens, you know, you're not going to see the kind of penetration you might expect, and you see it. I mean, like, you know, again, I'm someone who just bought a brand new house; it was built this year. And you know there's not a single smart light in the place,
0: but the, you know the, it's funny yeah. i was I was in the airport last year talking to a guy who ran sales for one of the biggest um kind of master plan development communities in in the arizona market right mm-hmm. and and he said, without it, almost every one of these guys and and they were the i think they were the biggest he goes every- almost every home that we sell now they want um they want solar." They want solar on the roofs. And what happens is they just roll it into the cost of the mortgage and, of course, the cost of the new home. And it's all financed and amortized over time. And I thought, okay, when you said that, I think, okay, it's just a matter of time before people just ask for the full smart home package, roll it into the cost of the home, and they'll have a fully uh, future-proofed home. They'll have solar on top. They'll have Nest thermostats. And, and their car doors will know when they're, they're leaving and coming and going. And I, I just think – but we're not there with smart home. It's probably five years.
1: Right. I think that I, I, I think you're right that it's a matter of time. But what's at stake from a brand standpoint is non trivial. I think the more I think about it, the more I think Google bought Nest, because they're going to need a, a separate smart home brand and line um, that I mean, it, 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 I, it would not shock me if they didn't realize, hey, you know, it's an intelligent hedge against this kind of idea that Google is everywhere. You know that you can kind of have a different line that yeah. can represent a different thing. Well, they've that.
0: went they've went to extreme measures uh, to kind of make sure everyone knows that Nest is a, a brand that's going to continue to live. And, and when they bought Dropcam, they said it's not an acquisition by Google. This is Nest acquiring them, which kind of makes you laugh because you know where the money's coming from. But right, but, right, uh, right yeah. Right. But let's move on. We got a, we got a lot of stuff to get through, and I okay. th- we should probably do a separate podcast to talk about these these other factors because, like, you're fascinating in terms of. I think you have some great opinions on the stuff. But uh, we got some news to get through, my friend. And one of the pieces of news was I wrote about for Forbes uh, was a company called iControl. And you'll you probably understand the concept of, of kind of a, a white label or back-end solution. But basically, iControl is one of those companies that uses the term powers. Uh, we we power a service, and they power the, the services from like Comcast and Time Warner. So when you buy a smart home service – and we probably talked a little bit about this in your therapy, smart home therapy – you could get a smart home service from from Time Warner Cable, from Comcast, from you know, Bell Alliant, from ADT, and they're the company behind them. iControl has the platform that people are building on top of. And what's interesting is iControl has got a pretty good business here, right? They're growing. They have like 22 million or so nodes out there across a couple million homes managed by service providers. Uh, but they realize that a lot of the innovation in the smart home space is coming from startups. And so they, they launched a program this week called – open home labs. And basically this is a program where they're going to help startups get into uh, who are in the smart home space, kind of come into their program and be, have access to their channels to market like this, the, the cable guys. And then they had a separate announcement where they're partnering with Indiegogo, uh, a, a well-known crowdfunding platform. And, and anyone, and this is a partnership with Indiegogo. It's like two companies issued a press release. And so any crowd, any startup company coming through Indiegogo, in the smart home space can apply for and if they get accepted they'll they'll have access to the open home labs partnership or program for my control. So basically what they're trying to do I think is create a startup geek ecosystem around their smart home platform because they see what's happening with Apple and HomeKit, they see what's happening with Google and Nest, they want to be relevant with new startups or creating startup uh, smart home products.
1: So 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 walk me through that my uh You know, obviously within reason, um, it sounds like you admire this move and you think there's opportunity there. Would you be a shareholder of iControl given this development? I mean, would you want to – do you think they can navigate the kind of giants that they're uh, playing against?
0: Well, I think that they're in a good place in that they already are partners with some of the biggest service providers in North America, right? I mean Comcast is a pretty good partner. Um, I think that you're seeing a, a, a battle joined between the managed service providers – the managed smart home and the DIY smart home. And they're not mutually exclusive. If you're someone who makes a smart lock, why wouldn't you sell into both those markets? But if you're someone um, who – you know, if you're someone who is like you and wants to get into the smart home, you're making a choice. Should I pay Comcast – to come and install a smart home service for me and manage it and have some tech support and have maybe a call center for my security? Or should I go the route of going down to Lowe's, uh, get their Iris solution, and, and making sure, and knowing that it probably in our, all, all interoperates, but I don't necessarily have a service provider on call to come out and do a truck roll. So it's those two worlds that are battling. And I think what, what you're seeing is iControl realizes that there's a lot of momentum in this DIY space. And as a side note, they bought a company called Piper, uh, that makes a, right. a DIY smart home appliance. So basically, they're getting into the DIY space. They're they're working with DIY startups, and I think it's kind of a, a, a it's a hedge, right? So they want their platform to be behind both of these markets, not only the managed side, but behind the DIY side.
1: Right, and so I mean it's an exciting moment for I Control, right? Because they because we know that these platform when you can kind of um, uh, uh, spread like the Borg through a given um, technology uh, vertical like uh, smart home, uh, then, you know, you're, if you're, if you're, if you're the center of that ecosystem, then there's money to be made all kinds of different ways. Uh, not in a dissimilar way from the way Twitter makes money by being at the center of an ecosystem of, of, of lots of services. Um, in a way, I think
0: there's a bit of a battle for the smart home cloud, right? I mean, I so I think, like, you know, what they provide is a cloud-based back-end. In addition to some on-premise, on-premise software and kind of connectivity, you know, they have the systems there and a hub, et cetera. But, you know, they actually, you know, have this kind of back-end platform that is underlying the Comcast uh, service. It'll be underlying the, some of the DIY stuff. So I think that's an interesting battle.
1: Right. Right. I mean, I think it, it is a courageous and impressive move by eye control. Um, good luck to them. Good luck to them.
0: I don't own any stock in them, by the way, and I can't because they're private. So I just thought I mentioned that. But well, who
1: knows? As you know, Michael, that no longer means you can't own stock. That's it's just true. you got to know the right people. Well, I'm not a sophisticated
0: finance guy like you are. so Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> sure. I'm just flying by the
1: seat of my pants.
0: Let's move on to the next story uh, Amazon. Uh, this is actually started by Julie Jacobson, uh, who's been a guest on the show. She wrote about Amazon's one-year anniversary of their launch of their home automation store and and how their top five includes companies that aren't really what she would consider home automation. Now, I think uh, Amazon uses the term home automation liberally. I think they should probably expand it to something like Connected Home because she makes a good point in that there are Sonos and Dropcams on their top five, and you know technically those aren't automation, but they are part, I think, of the broader – connected home universe certainly i think uh one of the most popular connections or nodes in smart homes today Aaron. you may you may this would probably seem intuitive to you our our network cameras so drop cams are really popular because people like to see what's going on in the house when they're away Perfect. it makes sense i mean when you look at all these smart home guys like lowe's who are creating platforms everyone i talk to they say that network cameras are really popular do you have one by
1: the way you know, we—I I don't have one, but I also don't. You know, my kids are in school, and my—I think the use case here is animal. I mean, it's often animals or kid. You know, young kids, right? I mean, I think it's not just—you uh, don't want to look at your empty living room unless you have security concerns. Um. So I think I'm—I'm not sure I'm the—the the right market. I think your point about smart home being—I really think what you mean is that smart home is a subset of connected home. And I absolutely agree that connected home is the bigger category. That's the so-called Internet of Things category, right? There is a difference between um, smart, which appears to mean uh, learning from behaviors, uh, optimizing uh, certain parts of your, uh, you know, home environment, whether that's security or energy or those kinds of things and connected which means you know your TV uh, you know can is an internet connected device that can do all these things from you know playing YouTube to playing games to doing all these other kinds of things I actually think the connected home includes products like Xbox right and televisions I, I don't agree. see how we I don't see how we can't think of it that way
0: yeah I mean I think everything is on the network, if you will, and I think kind of the the layer one network. I mean, well, that gets to be confusing using that terminology. Um, but I think the core network is the home network that oftentimes is Wi Fi built around your router, right? And I think what's what's worth a lot of the action now is is the networks moving to things that aren't necessarily you that you don't necessarily think of as network devices. So. Uh, white goods and 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 thermostats and all that stuff is coming to the network. It may require a little bit different software, a little bit different connectivity, but it's all getting connected over time. But
1: so, let me ask you a question in your in your sort of um, lexicon or, or hierarchy of hierarchy yeah, of connected home and smart home, where does a crock pot that's connected to the internet fall?
0: I think it's definitely in the smart home category um, because I think. You know, we've, so you look at. I was writing about home networks fifteen years ago, and in about ninety eight, ninety nine, the tech industry got really interested in saying, okay, the home can be networked. And when they thought about it, and they were talking about it, they were talking about PCs. They're talking about connecting those one or two computers as the internet comes, as broadband comes, and making a network. What happened over after that? Over the first after the first couple years, PCs got connected, uh, routers rolled out by, by the Comcast of the world, um, and then you started talking about. Connecting the entertainment, uh, I guess, uh, hub or whatever. Whatever. So that became the next wave, right? So over the past ten years, you've seen Sonos and smart TVs and Xboxes come into the fold. Right. The next wave, which is even bigger, is what I think what I call the smart home, which is usually home systems. Um, it's it's white goods. It's it's everything that has some sort of electronic uh, pulse to it with with uh, some sort of silicon in it that's connecting because they're all getting protocol stacks and low cost, low energy connectivity. And, and, and then there's like lots of use cases you could talk
1: about here, but, but that's kind of how I would kind of. But, 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 but I think about it more from the consumer side, right? So what you're really saying is the connected home was an entertainment driven. I think, I think revolution. the connected
0: home like could be the, the kind of a, a, a like the high, the top level category. And under that, is the bucket of smart home.
1: Well, right. So under that is the bucket of smart home, but what are you calling TV gaming music? I right? That's, call, yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't think of those devices as smart.
0: I call it networked entertainment. I mean, it's really, yeah. or digital media. Listen, yeah. it's, it's not hard and fast rules here. I just kind of, how I tend oh, to kind of categorize it. I don't know. It.
1: I, I, I get that. But I think, I think it's actually a conversation worth having in that. I think the reason you included the crock pot in, in smart home is because all things that are not entertainment that are utility driven therefore are smart. And so, it, 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 you know, I, I think the distinction you're really making is between utility and, and uh, entertainment. Right. I, and I think, and, but I, and I think that's worth making. I mean, I think that's a, it's a really good point, right? Xbox live exists in tons of homes across the country um you know energy conservation whether through thermostat or through smart lighting or whatever does not exist in very many homes across the country that's the that's the really major distinction um uh, uh in terms of penetration but 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 the the death of the DVD and Blu-ray has happened far faster than energy conservation or maybe it hasn't it's just i mean it, maybe they'll go at the same pace but they happened at different moments i mean that would be worth charting right like i i, I don't i think the death of the dvd began 14 years ago you know but it would be worth going back and looking yeah. at the kind of dvd sales and I as mean, they've gone as they as as the rokus and voodoos and those guys michael have You know, i Apple. You know, the Apple Store, Amazon Prime, Netflix, right? All that stuff has killed off a physical goods market in entertainment, Um, and that hasn't happened in you know analog energy devices or analog cooking devices. Um, It seems like home security is the thing that's farthest along.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, it's really—I mean—you didn't start to see um, like Netflix didn't start streaming till like 2007. Like, it was still like a DVD business to like probably people think like it happened like in the early 2000s. Like, there was there was—I mean, really—the first streaming entertainment from a video perspective was YouTube. In a big way, was YouTube in 2004, 2005, and then you started to see. A swing box swing box came out swing box came out in 2004 2005 and that really kind of started this idea of kind of the uh, in a bigger way i think entertainment shifting and kind of streaming but over up to that point it was kind of expensive and then you started to see connected uh like the roku entertainment box like the, the
1: roku streamer came out in 2008 i think so right so it really hasn't been incredibly long but it's, and I think, I, by the way, incidentally, I think the rise of the iPad and tablet and mobile phone based uh, uh, entertainment experience has also contributed to that desire to have more streaming services. And I, you know, so so today people are comfortable with the idea of watching a movie on your phone. Nobody's thinking about cooking with their phone. But the point is, maybe they should be.
0: Okay, let's move on to the last story, Aaron. Do you have a Nest in, in your smart I home?
1: therapy? I do not have a Nest.
0: When I talk about Nest, I should talk about two things. There's the Nest thermostat we've talked about, but there's the Nest, the the lesser known, ugly stepchild. I think of the Nest family. Maybe not so ugly. It's, he's kind of handsome. Uh, Nest Protect, but certainly a little less popular. Which is their home awareness and kind of home alarm that goes on the ceiling. That were they actually had a, a rare stumble. They had the, a recall. If you remember back early in the year, they had this wave wave to dismiss feature, where you, where if you like, um, you wanted to dismiss an alarm uh you can wave it off and that actually became like a uh, they had to do a recall because that could be potentially dangerous if there's a real fire and anyway so they actually had that that uh that little stumble early in the year but they had some news this week and and today in that Nest released their their 2.0 software for the Nest Protect with some interesting features in it and uh one of them is i thought was interesting is they can now discern with with their built-in moisture sensor and some some algorithm base smarts in their software whether or not it's steam or smoke because you know there's a lot of sm- there's a lot of you false gotta arms. be
1: impressed with that i said, that's a nice and swift iteration yeah a- and by the way an iteration that is only possible through having a connected device and being able to stream more hardware down there um, or are these only on new nest protects? Because no, I think it's, it's all sensor based. I
0: think here's the beauty of this. The smart home is this stuff's field upgradable with, with uh, a software upgrade. And so I think with this new software, you can upgrade it. I mean, I'll double check on that and put in the show notes if I'm wrong. I'd be, I'd be 99% sure that I'm not on that. Another cool feature that comes only because of the fact that it's, uh, it's smart is that you actually can have access to 10 days of history on your, on your nest protect, which I think is cool. We have a uh, we have a uh, all this access to data and dashboards nowadays, and I think one of them is going to be kind of the, the all the pulses and streams that are around your home. One of them that's becoming part of that is the Nest Protect. You'll kind of know what's happened with that over the past ten days. So you got to get a Nest Protect, my friend, part of your smart home. I,
1: I, I the, doc- have, the doctor's I, recommending it. Listen, there is no question that. Um, of the many media ideas you and I brainstorm, we got to get one of these things off the ground and I will take a hundred percent of the profits and reinvest them in my smart home. Uh, I, I want to have a fully connected and wired everything. Um, I'm probably a candidate for, um, savant and, and or, I mean, when I listen to your podcast, man, I, I don't know whether I'll tell you one problem I have. Savant revolve, control four, <laughs> you know like like uh smart things uh you had the uh a really interesting interview with the uh, the Lowe's guy um you know, so it's like there's a lot of people too competing. much stuff not a, no not a lot of established brands that's for sure
0: and that's why everyone's getting in Aaron, thanks for stopping in on the the smart home weekend review and we'll talk to you soon Thanks for having me.